This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. G-O-M-O-T-O.com. Hi, everyone. This is Steve Smith. Welcome to Daily Drive for Tuesday, November 16th. Late last month, J.D. Power released the results of its annual U.S. Auto Claim Satisfaction Study. It's been fielded annually for about 15 years and explores consumer satisfaction with insurance claims filed the prior year. Tom Super, head of property and casualty insurance intelligence at J.D. Power, says this year's study reveals that insurance companies continue to improve on the customer experience. And as a result, customer satisfaction has increased from the year before. In fact, satisfaction is at an all-time high. It's a trend that's been underway for the last five years, but Super is also quick to point out that customer satisfaction is a low bar for the insurance industry. Comparing consumers' past interactions with insurance companies similar to the experience many have going to the dentist. What's driving that improvement in customer satisfaction? Well, technology. That is enabling faster cycle times between making initial claim and being made whole, and being able to file those claims and manage the entire process through digital platforms. Consumers also report a high degree of satisfactions with the checks they are getting, which is largely being driven, according to Super, by low inventory levels and increasing valuation of used vehicles in operation today. Still, there are challenges ahead that could impact customer satisfaction, and insurance companies are going to need to navigate those. One, in particular, is the increasing amount of technology features found in many vehicles today and the cost to repair those systems. What else are consumers saying about their experience filing auto insurance claims? Who are the top-ranked providers? And why, like Tesla and other J.D. Power studies, is one particular insurance provider that is ineligible for official rankings the top-ranked provider in this year's claim study? We've caught up with Tom Super, head of property and casualty insurance intelligence at J.D. Power in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Tom, thanks so much for joining me today on Daily Drive. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on, Steve. Well, thank you for joining us. We've got an interesting study on U.S. auto claims. Can you tell us about the U.S. auto claim satisfaction study, how long it's been around, what does it measure? Yeah, so the auto uh, claim satisfaction study is one of our largest and most widely read studies that we produce within the insurance practice here at J.D. Power. Um, between uh, you know both personal and commercial auto, uh, the industry paid out over $185 billion last year and incurred losses. So that means that this is a big ticket item, right, for the industry, big stakes. And it, it certainly has been well received. We've been fielding it for about 15 years. Um, we cover the 25 largest uh, auto carriers based on their market share size. Uh, we we capture about 10,000 overall claimants that experienced a, a, uh, a claim in the prior year. And uh, we, we focus, we tend to focus the study on uh, what we call mid to low severity uh, claims and, 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 and specifically around auto uh, physical damage. And the reason why we do that, we don't want to get into liability or BI or, or even lower end like glass or theft. So we're focusing mainly on collision, and that's what the study evaluates. And we basically look at each of the various carriers and what customers are saying about their interaction and how that claim process went for them. 
So let's dive into some of the results from this year's study. How satisfied are consumers with the insurance claim process and what's driving that satisfaction? Yeah, so uh, it's interesting. We've seen a, a pretty good year-over-year improvement, but again, if you, you think about auto insurance, right? It's a, it's a kind of a low bar uh, for the industry. You know, no one likes dealing with an insurance company, right? It ranks somewhere around interacting with your dentist. So you know, it kind of coming out at a, at a very low uh, bar overall. But we have seen a, a steady improvement in 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 claim satisfaction really over the last five years, and there's been what we would uh, categorize kind of three driving factors behind that. First is the process is getting better uh, in terms of cycle times, right? So the ability to go from an accident, report your loss through FNOL all the way to being made whole is being sped up. And right now that's averaging about 10 10 days from, from FNOL through settlement. And that is about twice as fast as where it was just just five years ago. So we're seeing those improvements take place. The second factor is that carriers are getting better at uh, what we call triaging or or almost segmenting uh, claimants based on the type of claim that they have, right? So if you think about it, you get in an accident, you're stranded on the side of the road, this is the first time that you've ever had a claim that's going to be a scary process, right? And you're going to need uh, probably a little bit more high-touch experience. You're going to have to uh, be coached through that process. You're going to have to uh, have a better understanding in, in making sure that the carrier helps you through that process. And the carriers are doing better job at understanding the types of accidents, the types of claimants that are going through that, and then what we call triaging them through the process in the, in the, in the, in the correct way. So by doing that, those customers with different expectations going into that claims process are seeing higher satisfaction. And then the last thing, and this has been uh, interesting and in, in kind of the tip of the hat to the what we're seeing from auto manufacturers as well and what's happening on that side, is a rise in settlement expectations. And this is being driven by the, the rise that we've seen in used vehicle values over the last year. So one of the largest divides in satisfaction within the claims space is those between repairable, where they can actually fix the vehicle, and total loss, where they just write you a check and basically, you, you know, you purchase a new vehicle. The disconnect in, in prior years has been that claimants often believe that their value, that their vehicles are worth more than what insurers are willing to pay for that, and that's created a real disconnect and, and lower satisfaction. Thanks to rising vehicle values, they're getting bigger checks, and that that's a good thing for both consumers and in terms of higher satisfaction. Yeah, more money always equals uh, yeah. higher satisfaction. Sure. Sure. Talk to me about investments in technology, in the digital experience, and how that is is driving customer satisfaction. Yeah, so di- digital investments are having an impact, no doubt, no doubt about that. But you know what we're finding is that you know digital isn't always the right answer, right? It's more around when do you need to apply that at the right time. And in fact, we found that people that were being pushed in digital pathways sometimes, especially those that don't want to be pushed that way, uh, come out with overall lower satisfaction scores. You know, the example that I used earlier, I think about FNOL. You're you're at the side of the road. You're you're reporting your claim. You don't want to be pushed through a digital or IVR type of experience, and and you want to speak with someone and explain what's going on and and be reassured that you're going through, uh, you know, that they've got your back and that you know you're you're going to be in good good position coming out of this. But 
What we are finding is that the advancements that digital are making are helping overall. And in fact, when we segment the market between those that prefer an agent and those that prefer digital self-service, we're seeing an almost uh, same level of satisfaction coming through the process. And that's an indication that that carriers are doing a better job of servicing those those more technology savvy or digital centric types of consumers. But uh, overall, you know, at an industry level, high levels of adoption, 89% of, of claimants in our recent study reported using digital at some point during their claims process. This could be from, you know, checking the status of a claim. Uh, we're seeing, you know, photo estimation, other types of technologies be introduced as well. But, you know, perhaps the biggest impact in terms of digital overall has been the advancements that the carriers have made in what we call straight through processing. And this is something that happens, you know, behind the scenes when you file a claim, what carriers are able to do to basically route the claim uh, through the process with limited um, uh, high, you know, touch points. So if you think about it, you know, you get in an accident, you take a picture uh, of your vehicle that, you know, based on that technology, they can either cut you a check or send you right directly to a repair shop. Customers love that. See, you know, uh, integrated, you know, you're taking adjusters out of the process. You're taking some of that things that slow down the cycle times and, and other things that add complexity. So those are some of the things that we're seeing that are, you know, making an impact from a digital perspective. Talking about technology, talking about complexity, Obviously, a big push in this industry to driver assist, autonomous, other connected features. What kind of impact is this richer, more advanced technology content in and around the vehicle? What kind of impact is that having on insurance, the claims process, and is there any impact on customer satisfaction? So the impact is significant. And, you know, if, if your listeners take away, you know, one thing from this, from an insurance geek uh, like myself, uh, from this conversation, <laughs> you know, it is the impact, the downstream impact that the introduction of ADAS and, and like technologies are having uh, throughout the kind of vehicle ownership process. And, the, and like you said, the, the complexity, cost, customer impact is significant. It, it, let me let me just paint the picture in terms of what we're seeing from an insurance perspective. First is how many of these vehicles that are ADAS equipped are on the on the road today? And what we're estimating is about 11% of vehicles on the road today have some level of ADAS uh, 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 feature uh, available within within it. That number is drastically improving. We seeing you know thanks to our our automotive side about. 76% of all new vehicles sold are equipped with some level of ADAS. Um, and what that means is you're seeing a larger percentage of vehicle on the road that have these technologies. Same thing, right, with EV. We're seeing, you know, spikes in, in terms of, of penetration within the U.S. park. Now, with 250 million vehicles on the road, you know, it's still going to take some time to turn over the park in terms of this being uh, the majority of vehicles on the road. But just even at that fraction, having an impact. One way that's having an impact, it's making vehicles immensely safer. Um, so we, working with the Institute for Highway Sa Safety, some of these technologies are bringing down uh, the, the, the frequency as well as severity of these accidents, which is a good thing. You know, front collision warning technologies, it's estimated that collision avoidance is down 27% thanks to that technology. 
automated braking assistance down about 50% because you think about a lot of those uh, things are like when you're in high traffic areas and it's just a bumper to bumper type of fender bender and uh, automatic braking assistance is great in, in, in preventing those types of things and lane departure technology. So all these are having an impact, but at the same time, while we're seeing less accidents, the cost to repair these are, are, are adding new costs and new complexity into the process. Number one, the average part uh, for, uh, the average part is up 60% since 2016 uh, compared to a non-8S vehicle. So the, the ability to repair of you know this part is much more expensive than it was just five years ago. And even in the market today, when a 8S equip, equipped vehicle is in the repair shop, it's 13.5% higher to repair that vehicle than a, a non-ADAS equipped vehicle. So just the cost to repair that. Now, also the other impact that we're seeing is that, you know, not only does that impact insurance, but it also is impacting consumers and the repair shops themselves. We ask consumers uh, what percentage were actually informed that their vehicles needed to be recalibrated after an accident. And only 36% of consumers said that they were informed that it was needed. And even further, only 41% of those uh, people that said that they were informed were given verification that their ADAS features were working correctly after it was repaired. So you got these uh, consumers that just went through the process that are driving down the street, relying on these technologies that may not be working correctly. So just high implications there in terms of not only vehicle safety, but uh, in, in terms of, you know, on both of our industries as well. And then the last point I just make around this is, is consumer satisfaction has a real disconnect when it comes to these technologies, right? So consumers associate, you know, individual behaviors. If I drive less, if I'm a safer driver, my rates will go down. It'll be, it'll be more, more affordable for my insurance. But, you know, it, it, underwriting is complex and all these other factors rela related to increased costs can often offset some of those factors. So while consumers have some level of expectation that driving and, and being a safer driver should bring down their rates, we may not see that materialize until some of these other cost factors start to normalize. We'll be right back with more. Your service check-in process sets the tone for your customer's entire visit. Do your customers wait longer than five minutes to check in for service? Are your advisors presenting upsells to every customer every time? How often is the opportunity for trade appraisals missed? When your service drive gets busy, these inefficiencies directly impact revenue. Give your customers the option to handle the entire check-in process themselves. From appointment scheduling through final confirmation, all in under two minutes. Customers have the experience they want while selling themselves, which means your advisors are freed up to focus on profit-producing activities. It's a win-win for both CSI and your revenue. Introducing a smarter service lane. GoMoto is the self-service kiosk designed to grow your business. If you're ready to start increasing revenue, improving the customer experience, and maximizing service efficiency today, visit GoMoto.com. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com.
like most advanced new technologies, costs are generally high when they're first introduced and then they they kind of normalize, et cetera. You know, take a CD player, take a DVD player, take a VHS, you know, if you if you're in the entertainment and in the in the home you know, entertainment uh, equipment. Are we going to see something similar like that here when it comes to these advanced technologies over time? Are we going to see some of these costs that are higher now normalize and 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 come down? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think like as you described, right? Any new technology over time, especially as they become mature in the market, those costs will come down. But we're also seeing at the same time new um, new introduction of new features entering the market as they bring new ones to to the forefront and retire old ones that may have uh, not have higher adoption or or, or they're just um, you know uh, have run out of their uh, their value to to uh, to the consumer. But you know what's interesting is, is that it is having an impact even you know um, on auto insurance companies from the types of coverages that they're willing to carry and, and, and the expectation is that these are going to be high costs for for the foreseeable future. If you think about you know it was pretty commonplace uh, you know ten years ago to have windshield replacement as part of your standard uh, coverage on your automobile. Now that is something that you have to go to your deductible in order to pay for. And in fact, you know, the, the cost to replace windshield has gone up dramatically, right? As, as new technologies, as the, you know, a lot of uh, the, um, uh, these ADAS features are built into and have to be recalibrated. So there's a lot of things that, that get uh, added to that cost. And in fact, just talking to um, a friend within the industry, you know, an example would be augmented reality. And what thing that they were telling us about is that in order for that to take place, uh, they're going to have to introduce a new chemical into the windshield in order to project uh, that uh, on, onto the road. And that's another thing, right? That's another new advancement that a windshield is no longer glass. Now you've got a, you know, a more complex glass replacement. So, you know, while yes, these costs will likely uh, normalize over time, you know, for the foreseeable future, we see this having a significant impact on severity uh, and costs. Now, there's a couple other factors. One is also the type of collision, right? So, you know, we talked about EVs, right? So electronic vehicles, you know, perhaps maybe a side impact collision that took place, you know, 10 years ago for a non-EV vehicle, maybe that was a, a couple thousand dollar repair, but if it's hit the wrong way, now is that vehicle totaled because the battery runs the length of the vehicle. That adds cost, right? So what could have been a, just a simple repair is now a total loss that drives up costs. And the other interesting thing from a uh, kind of impact to auto manufacturers is, you know, whether or not, I, I think Tesla talked about what they call this feedback loop which is, you know, can you design a vehicle in a way that can help minimize some of the severity in salvage costs down the road, right? Meaning, you know, if this part is really expensive, either protect it or, or design it in a way that, that can help drive down the cost if it's repaired. Now, within the insurance industry, that's it's an interesting proposition, but what we do find is that most of the accidents are not associated with the vehicle itself, but more with individual behavior. So someone that is a, a safe driver that doesn't drive all the time could be driving a, a Tesla and never have a claim versus someone that's maybe younger, 
in more of a risk factor that drives the same vehicle and can get tons of accidents. So there's a lot of complexity and built into that. But yeah, I mean, over time, this is going to be something that the industry is keeping a close eye on. Let's talk about specifically some of those providers that you mentioned earlier. Overall, what's interesting, when you look at some of other JD Power studies, the top rank ones right there in the high 700s, low 800s, there's still a lot of white space between where they rank and the top of the charts, which is this thousand point scale. Seems yeah. to me these providers are much closer to a thousand, at least the top ones in 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 the claim study. Can you talk a little bit about who they are and why consumers rank so high? And I think more importantly, how are they going to get better? How are they going to get closer and closer to a thousand? Yeah. So you know the insurance industry, as you can see, with you know has over ten billion dollars in annual advertising cost. Is, is a high stakes game, right? In terms of customer acquisition as well as retention. So, and in the industry itself is not growing that quickly. Um, and so in, in, for a individual insurance carrier to grow, it's often coming at the expense of, of someone else, right? So there's not a lot of net new business in the market. So one of the you know moments of truth in that insurance, you know, experience with your insurance provider, which tends to be a really low touch, low engagement category, right? You you don't interact uh, with your insurance company like you do with a bank or retail, where you're where you're interacting with them frequently. Uh, when someone has a claim, that's a key moment of truth on whether or not you're going to stay with them or, um, or or look to shop. And we're finding. Uh, among many carriers that they're prioritizing the claims experience as a, a key opportunity to to drive improved retention or in cases where someone gets in an accident and it's the fault of someone else and they're actually working with their insurance carrier that they're seeing that a way, as a way to steal that business away to mm. saying, hey, we provided a good claims experience and that is is also an opportunity for them. So the you know the long short of it is that they focused really on on providing a better uh, a better experience. And you know what what we're seeing is that you know each step of the process for these main you know providers that really focus on making this a priority. You know this year the Hartford one uh, the overall uh, satisfaction study. Uh, some of the our regional carriers like Erie Insurance USAA. Um, as well, it, it traditionally performs very well in the study. They focus on a number of things. One, they provide a, a really great experience at FNOL, right? More services, making sure that, uh, you know, if you're in an accident, your toes arranged, that your repair shop is informed and getting scheduled. All that stuff is integrated. The second thing that they do really well is setting clear expectations around what is involved in the process how long it's going to take, who you're going to be speaking with and, and who you're going to be interacting with. And then the last thing that they do really well is meeting or exceeding those expectations. So, you know, by, you know, estimating what their settlement amount will be, how long it will take for them to be made whole, and then staying to those, right? So if it's going to take a week, tell them it's going to take a week and and, and, and live up to that. So, uh, you know, it, it's really hard because each of the major carriers have vastly different approaches to the market when it comes to this issue. But when we talk about it more broadly, if you focus on those three areas, we, we see a high degree of success uh, in our overall performance. Let's talk about USAA and maybe close on UA, USAA. They are the highest ranked in the study. 
yet yeah. they are not eligible. And so I'd like to understand why they aren't eligible. If you could give some, give our listeners a little bit of context, but I also want to dive into something that's interesting when you look at USAA and you look at other JD power studies on the auto side and specifically Tesla. There have been recent studies by, by JD power on the auto side that do start to bring in Tesla in the rankings, but they are unofficial. And the reasons are, are, are very understandable is that you don't have access to the same data as you do for the other brands. And so it's not an apples to apples comparison. Still, in many of these studies, they outrank everybody. And so here you have an outlier, somebody who has unofficial results that ranks top of the charts. USAA, similar here, top of the charts, but they are ineligible. Can you explain to our to our audience why they're ineligible? But moreover, you know, what are they doing to rank top of the charts, uh, you know, similar to, to what Tesla is doing on the auto side? Yeah, so we've gotten this question a couple different times. Um, in fact, even our partnership with you know USA, this this question has come up, uh, you know, as as part of that broader uh, partnership. So th there's a couple of factors that you know go into the way that we provide an award and rank these companies. First is based on market share. Um, so we start from one, and in this case, we go down to the top 25. And it's based exclusively on the percentage of um, of of uh, you know claimants that they have an auto premium that they write as a percentage of the total market. So USAA would be one that does meet that qualification. Tesla would not, right? They're a new startup. Certainly, the insurance industry is paying <laughs> close attention to them, uh, but they just you know they're not as large as as some of the other other existing carriers today in the market. Um, now, with USAA, the reason why they are not rank eligible or award eligible is because one of the other factors in order to be uh, award eligible is that you have to be open to all consumers. And uh, USAA is a membership-based program, so you have to be either a member of uh, military in enrolled or uh, enlisted or a member of the have some connection to it through fam family or friends. Uh, so in that sense, uh, they do not reflect the market as a whole. It, it's more of an exclusionary based membership program. So there, therefore, uh, we, we do not, uh, you know, make them uh, award eligible. And that applies to other carriers as well. So we've run into this in, in others that have focused on sub segments of the market. So it's not just uh, unique to USAA. But at the same time, yes, USAA uh, tends to do extremely well in our studies. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, number one, USAA is, is a very high-performing organization. They have a focus, uh, a, a cultural focus on uh, service and, and continual improvement. Uh, you'll see, you know, across industry, they're often referenced as a best practice uh, brand uh, for a number of reasons. And, you know, you think about one of their taglines being, we know what it means to serve, you know, is a reflection of, you know, high degree of customer service and those expectations. And as a result, they get a, they get a, a high rate of retention, uh, much higher uh, and actually one of the highest within the industry. The other factor here is also that they have a high degree of, of brand loyalty. Um, the military affiliation and community really has an impact. And in fact, many of what we look with in our study, we call it a brand halo. 
Uh, you could see this happen with other major brands, uh, perhaps Apple-based customers or others, where you know, no matter what happens, there, you know, there's a high degree of giving them the benefit of the doubt, um, a high degree of affinity for that brand uh, for for those interactions. So you see, uh, you know, higher levels of, of of expectation and higher levels of uh, of 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 ability to work with that carrier if something goes wrong, uh, so so there's they benefit from 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 that relationship, and then lastly is you know they have done an exceptional job of and this is one of the reasons why you know not being award eligible is serving a subsegment of the market in this case the military market in the community and they've really tailored you know, any good brand will tailor their services to the to their target demographic and target market. And the USA is no different. They offer services that other insurance carriers do not in a way that really services that military segment. For example, if you go to their website, there'll be, you know, there's sections around what 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 are your insurance needs when you're deployed overseas? For example, uh, that's going to be something USAA really gets into that, you know, a more gen pop a base brand uh, is not going to dedicate the the space to. Or, you know, if you think about another good example of that, when you call into the service center for USAA, uh, they address you by your rank. Uh, So just that personalization, that connection to the military community, they do a really good job of understanding the target market and providing a service that meets against those needs. So uh, those are some of the factors that we see. But USAA certainly is, from a benchmark perspective, someone that uh, you know, with Progressive and some of the other leading carriers in the industry, uh, a, a lot uh, in terms of setting expectations and as a uh, as a marker for the industry to follow. Tom, such wonderful and amazing insights. I appreciate you taking a few minutes, joining me on the show, sharing what you're finding out of this year's study. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate it, and I'm sure our listeners do too. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me today. Thanks for having me on, Steve. Appreciate it. That's Daily Drive for Tuesday, November 16th. For breaking news, go to autonews.com. And to catch up on all episodes of Daily Drive, go to autonews.com forward slash daily drive. As always, thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow.